Welcome to a very special live stream episode of Haven of Horror. Tonight, tonight we are uh, discussing Buffy Season 2, continuing on where we left off with Season 1. But first, you may have noticed we did not upload any Resident Evil Village episodes this week. That's because Milton thought he had Mother's Day off, so he didn't show up. No, I'm just kidding. That is because we decided to take Mother's Day off, uh, celebrate with our mothers, we will be live this Sunday, hopefully, and then uploads will presume through the week. Uh, thank you guys for your understanding, your patience, and all that. Uh, second, if you haven't already, check out our other reviews. And tomorrow night, we will be reviewing The Witch and Hereditary. If you're interested in reviews like that, we do it every week. Hit that subscription button to get notifications. Uh, so, Milton, since yeah. this is you are new to this show, I've seen mm -hmm. it multiple times. Why don't you tell us about Buffy Season 2? Well, okay, so Buffy Season 2 is, I would say, a pretty good improvement on the first season. Um, first season was a little rough. Um, some good stuff, some bad stuff, but generally the show was just trying to basically work to gain its voice, and I think it does much more of that, I think, in this season. We have a few new writers here, but for the most part we also have just a lot more episodes as well. Um, we introduce some new characters. Seth Green um, show, performs as Oz, who turns into a werewolf. Um, Cordelia's character is changed quite a bit, not fundamentally necessarily, but her reactions and how she, you know, works as a member of the group has certainly changed quite a bit. Not to mention the fact that she's dating Xander now, which is a very interesting development. Um, Buffy and Angel's relationship definitely progresses into something that. I think it's a bit more personable, a bit more memorable. They have great chemistry, and then the chemistry completely changes into a different kind of mixture. I, I'm not sure where I was going with that analogy. Point is, it changes because Angel becomes Angelus again, and then things take a turn when Angel turns back, but it's not a happy ending as, unfortunately, Buffy still has to send uh, Angel to the Shadow Realm. It's, it, Thank you it's, for the detailed description there. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is this season is very much about Buffy and Angel's relationship, and we will get to that. But first, I asked you at the end of our season one discussion if you had any predictions for season two. Do you remember your predictions? I think yes. Um, so I I thought I wasn't sure exactly about Xander's relationship, but I had a feeling. That maybe him and uh, Willow might get in a relationship. There's still like a little bit of lingering there of whether or not they might, but I was not expecting the Cordelia thing at all. I like it though. I think it's hilarious. Definitely wasn't expecting that. Um, Buffy and Angel's relationship. Um, I think I did. I predict that they were going to break up or something like that. I think you just I, predicted I, Buffy and Xander were going to get together, some weird shit like that. Oh, yeah, I did say that. Yeah, no, that didn't happen, thankfully. Uh, but, yeah, I was very wrong about that. Thankfully, I'm glad I was wrong. Um, Giles gets more development. That doesn't. That didn't surprise me. Um, I did not... I more or less expected Seth Green to come around because I saw him in the casting. I wasn't sure what he was going to do but I knew he was coming around. Um, what else did I, what else did we talk about? I, I don't remember anything else. 
Well, I'll go back do. and watch it. I don't remember. <laughs> I'll go back and watch ours, oh. uh, my my predictions. But needless to say, from what I remember, you were off by about quite a bit, which is okay. Yeah. Because, you know, this is your first time. And I don't think you could have predicted this season just from what's in the first season. No, uh, not at all. And thankfully, honestly, it surprised me in a lot of pleasant ways. This season is obviously a massive step up. This is them. Oh, this is them getting to the road that finds their voice. Uh, I love season two. It's mm-hmm. my probably my second or third favorite season overall. But it does get a little meandering at the beginning. Like we're just kind of wasting time because we got to get to the mid-season twist. Um, there's some good episodes in the first half, but once you get to thirteen, and or the end of thirteen slash the beginning of fourteen, and that twist happens. It is just momentum to the finale. Minus one thing that we'll get to later. Uh, We also seed some other things, like like you mentioned, new characters. We set up Kendra, and we go back to the finale of season one where Buffy died. Uh, And there's a new Slayer in town. She has the worst accent that I've ever seen or heard. Yeah, if if only Um, we could see accents. (laughs) But yeah, we uh, we get Spike too, and um, the uh, psychic vampire, which is an, which is an interesting thing. It's good to see some variety in what vampires can do in their own community. Mm-hmm. Well, and instantly because when so they set it up for the first half that Spike is like going to be the big bad, and instantly he's already better than the master. Like he has oh, personality, absolutely. he has reasons like i mean he doesn't have the deepest deepest methods or like reasoning for what he's doing but it's fine he's a vampire he's fun to watch and james marsters is incredible in the show Uh, i've and that's always been like the big debate in the fandom right buffy uh Mm -hmm. buffy and angel or buffy and spike because you've seen spoilers about that or i don't get it Perhaps I'll have to see more of the show to understand what the heck is going on. But honestly, to those who will know, there will be a development apparently where Buffy and Spike might get together or something like that. I, based on what I'm seeing here, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, yeah, I, I'm really interested to get to season six with you because that season is fascinating. Um, but yes, on back to back to season two. We don't want to spoil too much, and feel free to leave us comments down in the below. Comments in the comment section about who you prefer, you know, Angel or Spike, because they're the two, like, big vampires in the show. Everybody has a side. Let us know. Mm -hmm. Just don't spoil anything for Milton, please. Like I said, this is his first watch through, and he knows barely anything about what's to come, and there's some really cool stuff that I want him to experience (laughs) without knowing about it. Don't worry, I'll avoid the comments. (laughs) So, Um, any highlights in this, in the first the way I figured, because we can't do an episode by episode breakdown like we did season one. It's impossible. Right, of course. What we're going to do is basically break this up into two chunks. One through 13, and then 14 through 22. Because sure. I think that's as close to half as you can get. All right. So, yeah, we got uh, 22 episodes. It's definitely a shorter half for the second part, but it's still a shock full of stuff. Yeah, and it's also almost like two stories, right? Like, the first half is Spike is the bad guy. We're building up Buffy and Angel's relationship and Xander and Cordelia and moving all these pieces around so that we can get to the second half, which is where the real story takes place. So for then I ask for you, any high what was your favorite episode in the first half? 
That's a good question. I think, though, my favorite one really does have to be Halloween. I think Halloween was a very creative episode. Um, almost every character got something to do. Um, it was just a it was just a creative thing. Spike, see, it had something to do as well. Um, characters got to like literally transform into things, except Cordelia. That would have been hilarious, but honestly, we, we had so much going on already. We had to have somebody who was who was and normal. and there are apparent. This episode actually does affect things later because apparently now Xander has acquired skills, military skills that actually, you know, come into play later. Which I think, which I think is a cool development. Um, yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, I agree with you. It's either this or the premiere uh, when she was bad. Uh, let Let's start there, and then we'll move into your episode just because you know the first episode. So this picks up uh, about three months after season one. So that's your typical like season of TV thing, right? Like it's the next year. Yeah. Uh, we're dealing with Buffy's the end of season one with Buffy quote, dying. Uh, she has PTSD, is lashing out at her friends, distancing them. And Sarah Michelle Gellar does amazing work with some of this stuff. Yeah, she's she's in like dissociative mode, and it's it's on point. Uh, throughout the whole thing and it's it's good to see that there are consequences where we're not just we're in the process of moving on but we're not going to completely forget about what happened which i think is great and we get to kind of like wrap up like a lot of it in one episode and until you know spike comes in later and you know then fully wraps all of that up and you know the whole anointed one thing is just thrown out of the window yeah uh because you get stuff like you know she's attacking angel just for being a vampire uh you get that that dream sequence which you had refer you meant you noticed when we were watching this episode milton and i did not watch all of this together but we watched what i thought were the key episodes and then just some that we were just there you know together watching um i did but, watch all of them though uh, in my episode, yeah so. and i've seen all of this like this is my like fourth time watching this show um so the key thing in here in this episode, I think, is the dream sequence she has. And I won't lie, some of this is informed by, like I mentioned in the first episode, the or first video that we did, the Passion and the Nerd reviews, because I've listened to like all of them except for the new ones that he's uploaded. Uh, that dream is very symbol. It's very full of symbolism. That Symbolic. she, yeah, she blames Giles for what happened to her at the end of season one, because he is the Watcher, right? He is the authority figure. But in her eyes, he sent her to die. And I'm I'm paraphrasing, so I don't remember exactly how he phrased it. Um, but in her eyes, right now, he is no better than the master. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. Because obviously she doesn't really think that, but she's disassociating because she has PTSD and is traumatized. And it's just a it's a really like just a legitimate way to show a trauma that someone can go through when dealing with the shit that Buffy has to deal with. It's an extreme analogy, of course, but you know, that's what we do. That's what stories do. And it's a melodrama. Like everything yeah. in the show is melodramatic. Yeah. It's nice that we get the touch of uh, Buffy being able to like destroy the bones, of the master later on as a way to kind of um, come full circle on this PTSD development and actually move on from her trauma. And it's nice to see the friends recognize that and honestly don't bring up her transgressions. It shows forgiveness. 
which is a it's a nice touch to wrap up the episode. And it's a little chilling too, just like she's so. It, it, it's like a a damn burst, right? Like she's been holding this in the entire episode, and then finally she is just snapped. Like she needs to get this out. Um, yeah, and then, and then uh, the other episode I wanted to mention, of course, is School Hard, which is Spike's introduction. Which yeah. is just a fun episode. He invades the school. Like you get you get Spike's premiere, uh, like debut. He kills the annoying kid from the first season that I still don't understand, like, what his point was. And I don't think Joss Whedon or any of the other writers did, because they got rid of him immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, most of the writers that we that we get are still consistent. Um, we get, like, a few new ones, but I can see that the writers from, like, one of some of the episodes that we didn't like are actually improving their craft and are actually making some of the better episodes in this season. Well, and I wonder if Josh Whedon had more oversight on this season. Well, this, the third episode specifically is a story by Josh Whedon, but also has input from David Greenwald and help played by David Greenwald. So, um, of course, he, we credited David Greenwald with like episode seven in season one where Angel is fleshed out a bit better. Um, also Nightmares episode 10. So, what, uh, what episode number is Halloween? That would be episode six. Okay. That's written by Carl Ellsworth, who's one of the new writers. So obviously this is more of a filler episode, uh, but it's a very character driven. It's, it's what the filler in the show should be. It's progressing character yeah. and it's fun. Yep. This season still struggles with that a little bit. See episode two, uh, the Franken's Bride of Frankenstein ripoff and yeah. uh, episode it's 19. It's like episode two is fine. It's just not exceptional, and it's definitely a it's definitely a weird tonal thing where it's just it seems a little bland in some portions. Oh, see, I think it feels like it's out of season one. I do like I do like episode two a lot more than I like twenty. Is what I'll I'll or, say uh, that not episode nineteen. That's uh, sorry. Episode no, nineteen, 19 is, is amazing. Twenty is what I mean. I hate yeah. twenty, and that's another one that feels like it was a like a leftover script from two. But we'll get there. Uh, episode 6 is quite good. Uh, this is also where we meet Ethan Rain, who, by the way, you've played Mass Effect, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Ethan Rain's actor? Mm-hmm. That's Zaid. Yep. Uh, Cap didn't know that. I thought that was interesting. Um, but anyway, uh, this is where we first meet Ethan Rain. We kind of see that he and, and Giles have a backstory, and that Giles at one point went by Ripper. Uh, and stuff that yeah. we'll we'll touch a little bit on later. Never quite enough for my taste, but I get it. Like Giles, it's not about Giles. But we were supposed to get like a Giles like TV movie or something, and it never went through. And I'm so bummed about that. That would have been nice, but at <laughs> least we get at least we get something here with some backstory stuff. It kind of leads into, um, I think the Dark Age. Um, is that is the episode that like really delves into the backstory of Giles? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the basic plot is that Ethan is selling costumes that turn you in, turn you into whatever the costume is that you're wearing. Buffy, for instance, is dressed like a, uh, like princess. a princess from like the 17th century or 18th century. 
I'm not good with time. Like, I don't know what century that's supposed to be from. It's supposed to be of olden days kind of thing. We're we're kind of like adapting a bit of these loosely as kind of like uh, archetypes. Yeah. Of of fiction. So we have like the tough soldier that's for Xander. You have like the uh, the dainty noble woman, you know, who's very meek and that it's definitely juxtaposed with Buffy's actual character, which is fun. Yeah. Um, Willow becomes a ghost, which is very in line for her character, but also allows her to confront some of her shyness and actually try to um, be a bit more outgoing uh, towards the end of the episode. Um, Cordelia is a cat, um, but I don't think she got her costume. She from... does not get her costume in the same yeah. place everybody else did, so she right. doesn't transform, which is fine because we need the like anchor character, right? Like everybody else has gone insane. Willow is useless as a ghost because she can't touch anything. You need Cordelia to be able to interact with people and things and still have her memory. Yeah. We also have Angel, but Angel's not really our anchor character, at least not yet, because he's still a bit esoteric in nature to us. This, yeah, this is Angel still very much before any of his character, like any real character development other than he's a vampire with a soul has happened. Yeah. Um, We'll get there because obviously, you know, he gets his own show and everything, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, Giles, who didn't dress up because he doesn't really seem to celebrate holidays other than there's an episode later with the Thanksgiving thing. Um, it's rather um, odd for a British person, but, you know, <laughs> as you will. I, I think he was doing it for Buffy. It may, it's fine. Uh, yeah. But anyway. Um. He stop, He breaks the statue, which stops the spell, which uh, pr- allows Buffy to stop Spike, who was gathering up all like the kids who had turned into monsters because of their costumes. I, I love how he interacts with them. It's, it's great because because he, he's essentially a demon. And he's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're demons now too. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, it's nothing like revolutionary. It's just a really good episode that builds character. Uh, character stuff and starts progress Buffy and Angel's relationship because she dresses like that to impress him because uh, they've been seeding since season one you know that there's something between them yeah we also get into like this is like one of the episodes that goes into Greco-Roman mythology as well um, one of the eps- one of the other episodes I think was um, I think was uh, Bewitched Bothered and Bewildered that episode where we have the idea of Janice as like the uh, like the the two-faced god, essentially. Kind of like showing up like opposites of sorts. It's like a loose interpretation of the god, but it's interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. I, do find, I do find it odd in some ways that we don't really do a... I wish we kind of went more into the character of like Giles' uh, former partner. Um, I'm glad that we get at least a little bit of it, but I think, I think that of this weird group of like People like interested in mysticism is an interesting thing that we could, you know, develop more. You could give Buffy more uh, threats that are a bit more personal. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the biggest problem with both this and later Angel is keeping some of its supporting cast around because they all get like other jobs and other yep. things. So Ethan Rain disappears after a while because his actor didn't want to come back. Right. I mean, I mean, what can you do? But sometimes that sort of stuff happens. It's just, it is what it is. With, it, with Ethan, it's not as a big a deal, just because like he just shows up 
once or twice a season, causes some kind of chaos that Buffy and the gang have to fix, and leaves. <laughs> yeah. At least we get something, though. He's a good, he's a good actor. So yeah. Remind me, what is episode seven? That is lie to me. Okay. That, yeah. So this continues the thing. I think I mentioned this in our first video. Buffy has a thing with episode sevens that they are all good. <laughs> this episode is fantastic, and I think the best episode. Uh, this or Halloween are the best episodes of this first half for me. Um. This episode is about Buffy meeting an old friend who we've never heard of before because, of course, uh, and he somehow knows that she is the Slayer, and you find out that he is a part of a cult that thinks vampires are good guys, and he wants to become a vampire because he is having, because he has a, is it a brain tumor? It was a cancer, just straight up cancer. Okay, it I was think. cancer of some kind. Um look at it specifically to look up uh, I don't yeah it just said brain cancer brain cancer, oh, so brain cancer. it dies um, in six months that's the idea I think what elevates this episode is that final final confrontation with him because in most shows right it would be the hero or heroine finds out his tragic backstory and all is forgiven Buffy's like what am I supposed to do just Forget that this happened. Forgive you. Did you think I would just come here and be okay with this? It's great. And yeah, part it, of that is Sarah Michelle Gellar. Because she continues to be stellar in this world. No matter what they give her to do. Yeah. We also get a really good actor for um, for childhood friend. Who I think puts in a very good performance. Considering he has to flip his character in this episode. Okay, research man. Who is that actor? Because I'm curious now. Well, I, I am research man. Uh, the character's name Ford, played by Billy Fordham. I, I don't know who Billy Fordham is. I think he's probably just a character actor, a one, right? a one and done character actor. But let's but let me check. Um, aside aside from all that, it's it's good that we get more stuff of like um Buffy's backstory kind of coming into the fray in an episode. Um, we don't always get that, but it's good, but it's always interesting when it happens. So. Well, and it's tricky with this show, right? Because it's technically a sequel to that film that flopped, but it really just kind of picks and chooses what it wants from that film. So they don't want to go back to, to, into too much origin because they feel like that's tired. Terror. They They feel like they've already covered the most of that. And all they really want you to know is just that she went to this previous high school, fought vampires, and somehow a gym burned down and she got expelled, and that's why she moved to Sunnydale. Oh, John, I'm dumb. His name's not Billy Ford, and his name is Jason Bear. I I, just, I looked at the wrong name, but no. Okay, See so what he's I have actually to work done with a few here? things. Yes. <laughs> uh, he's, not, he's mostly just a TV actor. Um, so like a character. He did. He's in Supergirl. Oh no. <laughs> As a uh, Zorel apparently. Who's Zorel though? Uh he is um this character actor uh, Jason Oh, Bear. wait a minute. No, cuz Zorel's the last name. That's it, he's credited as Zorel. I haven't seen the show, so I can't. Unless that's Kara's dad. 
Because isn't Supergirl traditionally Kara Zor-El? Yeah, Zor-El as opposed to a Jor-El. L is the last name. Uh, it shows, you know, familial... Yeah, you know, but I mean, I mean... Then that must be Kara's dad, but I always thought Supergirl's name was Kara or Kara Zor-El. I don't know. Comics are weird. Uh, anyway, back on topic. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this episode ends on kind of a downer. Uh, okay, it ends on kind of a downer, but also kind of a funny moment because Buffy has to make a hard decision to leave him there because he is a monster and like she cannot save him. So Spike and the others feed on him. I guess this is going to be a minor complaint because apparently some for some reason they turn him at the same time, which I don't understand why because they hate him. I guess it was a whole drain of blood thing, and then what do you do with the body after that? Well, no, because they wouldn't care about leaving a corpse behind. But they would purposefully have to let him drink from them to turn him into a vampire. It, it would be... Is he, It's something that I think Angelus would do, where he would want to basically turn one of Buffy's friends to like psychologically mess with her. But this is Spike at the time. Spike is more direct. He probably wouldn't care. So it, Spike it also is a little knows odd, turning certainly. Her, yeah, and Spike also knows that turning him wouldn't do anything. She already knows that he is a like that her friend is, you know, a crazy person. I I guess I guess the writer of the episode who I think this one was written by I'm pretty sure this is written just as a gag and it's a don't think about it, yeah, which is so. fine because I'm I'm fine with that because the rest of this episode is so good. Yeah, Joss Whedon wrote it, by the way. So. Yeah. so probably he was like, oh, this is funny. We'll just throw that in there. But the episode ends with her and Giles talking and Giles has a wonderful speech uh, lying to her about how the world is always good. Heroes always prevail. Evil never wins, etc. And then Ford pops out of the ground. She dusts him. Credits. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I never thought about that, but that is a weird choice to say that they turned Ford. Unless oh, Spike yeah. thought that he he held up his end of the bargain. I don't know. If you guys have a read on that, let us know in the comments below. We would love to hear it. Oh yeah, something that we didn't talk about last time, which I think is interesting: the amount of statistics with you with uh, U.S. viewers when the episodes were airing. Episode season one. Um, some of the episodes like averaged around four million viewers, and season two gets a bit more with about like four point five until on average until it gets to episode six, dips a little bit in seven, and then just consistently gets up in popularity. I think like some of the most popular episodes got around like seven point six uh, million. No, actually, one almost got to uh, eight million with uh, Innocence. Actually, so the show became more popular certainly. Oh yeah, like yeah. Th this turned into a like a land a milestone for television. Yeah. Um but yeah, uh the last thing I think we need to mention in this first half is the first two parter. Uh feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going off memory and like I said, I didn't watch all of these because I've seen it before. Uh but this is very much the last bit of dealing with the repercussions of the choice at the end of season one. Buffy died. Yeah. By Slayer Rule. When a Slayer dies, another one is activated. So we meet the new Slayer, Kendra. 
Yes. Uh, played by an actress I've seen in a bunch of other things. She just pops up in random shows and shit. Uh, who is infamous for her terrible Jamaican accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, she, she tries. Who I, I'm going to be honest, guys. She's just not an interesting character. No, she's very she's very one note of basically the fish out of water who's very hard-boiled and hard-lined, kind of becomes softer and more personable, and after that there really isn't anything else that she does. Okay. Actually, I disagree with myself and you slightly. What's interesting about her is she is what Buffy would have be could have become, right? Uh this is Buffy she is Buffy if Buffy had never moved to Sunnydale and met Xander and Willow. Sure, and if we had a much more um, hardline watcher that kind of just didn't allow her to do anything else other than be a vampire hunter. Well, if she never came to Sunnydale, that's a given. Well, that too. And there's um, an episode in season three that kind of reinforces that, but we'll yeah. talk about that. It, it is good that we have this character present, because then we get more into the inner workings of this uh, Slayer network that's going on. It just would have been nicer if we had someone that was a bit, a, a bit more I'm, solid in foundation. I think. I think I'm comfortable yeah. enough to tell you this. Yeah. Uh, just wait, because that's what season three is all about. All righty then. Cool, cool. But but yeah, it's good that we have some development here for this sort of thing. It's sorely needed, I think. Well, yeah, if you want episode one to be like your pilot series, like get you into it. Season two has to develop the world a bit more. It's usually what successful shows will do. Yeah, and I mean this does in spades. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Kindred Kindred comes by, uh, comes to Sunnydale. She thinks that Buffy is a vampire. Buffy is being cha- is being chased down by is it the five or the three? Three. The three, uh, who are supposed to be these like badass, intimidating vampires. Only the second one with the maggots was interesting. Other than that, the other ones get taken down pretty quickly. They're just a contrivance to get the story started, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like but, the last time they had, like, three big guys in season one, and then they got killed in the first action scene. <laughs> subverting your expectations. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, and then Kendra thinks Buffy is a vampire, tries to kill her after locking Angel up, and she she's the dumbest slayer ever. She locked him in a cage and waited for this. Like, I'm just gonna leave you here until the sun does its job. Yeah, it's uh, like if you if you really do think that he's a vampire and a threat, just stake him there. Otherwise, it, there's no real logic to her action. But of course, you can't kill Angel in this episode. So we have plans for him. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. And that's kind of just the jo- oh. And then that's episode. Is it ten? And then 11 is, because it's 10 and 11 is the two-parter, right? No, it's uh, 9 and 10 that's the two-parter. 9 and 10. This 11 is, is Ted, story. and Ted is a weird episode. Uh, it's weird, right, have like two two-parters that close together? Um, We don't really have a, we don't really have a two-parter specifically other than this one until we get to the very end. No, no, but no, no. But quite no, a few no. of these episodes do feed into each other. 13 and 14 is a two-parter. You can't convince me otherwise. Sure. That's that's if, if an episode says to be continued and that it's picks up right where the last one left off. That is a fair point. 
all, all the same, it's good that these episodes give context for each other. It yeah. shows that the show is working well within each other, and it's not just strictly episodic. Yeah. So then, so that's episode nine, and then episode ten uh, is the continuation. Uh, is the continuation? Uh, basically, Spike has a plot to cure Drusilla's insaneness, which. Oh, that's the other thing we forgot to mention. So ten is kind of also picking up where seven. I think it's seven. Because one of the other big, because that whole episode is about truth, is, truth and lies. Angel tells Buffy exactly what he did to Drusilla, and it's horrifying. Yes. Uh, but basic, long story short, he drove her insane. And this episode is about Spike trying to cure that insanity. But to do so, he needs Angel. And Angel is still missing between the two episodes. So Buffy and Kendra are looking for him. And it leads to a big fight in a church where Spike is injured and Drusilla... It hence is stronger now. Uh, he, uh, she's not cured of her insanity, but she is back to full strength. Yes. Um, yeah, Drusilla is definitely a very worn character for this season. Um, it's it's weird how she's dealt with in like the in the finale, but at least at least Spike is you know given some more time to be an interesting character as well. So I guess it balances out. Um, but yeah, do you yeah. have anything to say about this first two-parter other than what we've already covered? Aside from what we've already covered, once again, disappointing with the big three. I like that at least one was able to carry over and seem like a thread throughout it, but at some point, if you're going to hype up these villains like this, give us more to work with here. Make us, you know, afraid of them or something like that. And... Aside from that, aside from that, they're good episodes. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, just when we get into character stuff, it's good. Um, I think this is also around the time that Cordelia and Xander start getting infatuated with with each other, I think. It is, because yeah. they are trapped in the basement from Bug Guy, and they yeah. kiss, and it, it starts a whole series. Roof me for a loop, honestly. I didn't expect that at all. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and... That is a subplot that continues throughout the season. Yep. Uh, I don't really have much to say about Ted. I think it's an okay episode with some interesting ideas that is ultimately ruined by the twist at the end. Ted is... So why don't you tell us about Ted? Ted is basically... Ted's a robot, essentially. Ted tra- is an ins- an interloper in Buffy's life. Tries to essentially insert himself into another woman's life after his previous partner dies. It's it's going into this thing of, because this character is so nice, no one's going to believe the protagonist when the guy is just, out of the blue, antagonistic to the protagonist. It's that trope again. And I wouldn't mind it so much if we haven't had previous issues with Buffy's mom just being... going back and forth between being understanding and being very unreasonable. And for it's fixed a little bit, I suppose, in context of the fact that they're getting drugged, but you still you still feel a little bit of this frustration, especially since after after episode three when Spike literally broke into the school and attacked people of why Buffy's mom has not picked up that a lot of weird stuff is happening. And maybe she should See, be a bit more I hate to reference a future episode. But I think that it's perfectly okay, because they frame it as very much she is in denial. 
And multiple times throughout these first two seasons, they established that Joy is, she is trying her best, but she doesn't know how to handle someone like Buffy. Because right. all she knows about Buffy is that she's getting bad grades, she's getting trouble in school. Like, she is trying, but she is out of her depth. Right. But also, Joy also Joyce also exists just to be the Aunt May, to make Buffy's life difficult, like Aunt May makes Peter Parker's life. Now, I do like the actor for Ted. I think he's fine. It's John Ritter. Yeah, exactly. It's just, I wish we would have used him in a way that wasn't like this very tropey, cliche episode structure. I think we can get, I think it's fine, but you kind of have to give a bit more twist to it to make it interesting to me. Or See, some I sort think of nuance. the twist is the biggest issue with this. I, I mean to say, like, nuance or some more form of development, where it's just not another one of those episodes where we have to insert that one into every show that we have in existence. Yes, John Ritter is wonderful. Um, this is very much a play on... Uh, I don't know if they're actually, like, referencing this movie or if this was just completely coincidental. Uh, but there's a slasher movie from the 80s, I think the 80s. Again, let us know in the comments. called The Stepfather, uh, which is the same plot, minus the robot. This guy inserts himself into families, trying to find the perfect family. If you're not, if you don't live up to his standards, he will kill you. I mean, we have um, we have this trope as like old as like Night of the Watcher, which is one of those classic movies that like delves into like the uh, the charismatic intruder. Um, well, yeah, but it's just we've had it we've had it so much since then, and I think done better a bit in Night of the Watcher than stuff like this. But at least at least so, there is some good stuff here. Um, most interesting at, thing in this episode, sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. To me, is her wrestling with the idea that she killed someone, like just a human, but then we instantly like. undo it because he's just a robot. Yeah. Granted, of course, if Buffy kills someone like that, I think that's something you want to save towards the end of the season, rather than something that's mid-season like this, when the episode kind of has to be structured and kind of be isolated, where the consequences don't branch out to too much so mm -hmm. you kind of wonder what was the thought process behind you know the writing of this episode but it was, uh, we need an episode in between this one and this one yeah we have it written but Joss Whedon has credits with some of the better episodes but Joss Whedon also wrote this one with David Greenwald so I well, guess and that's why it makes me they just need to fill time that's what, what makes me wonder if they're referencing the, the stepfather because this show obviously has a very deep love for the horror genre, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Joss Whedon knew that film. This was the most viewed episode uh, at this point in the airing, with like 6.09 million viewers, so... That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, okay, so remind me about episode 12, and we'll see if we want to talk about it at all. 12 is Bad Eggs. I have nothing to say about that episode. <laughs> It's it so, is the definition of filler. It it's dumb filler. Where basically we have you ever wanted cowboy vampires? That's it. Essentially, that's that's the whole thing. People get these parasitic eggs that basically make them into zombie-like workers. And you also had so you have that one thread on one hand. You also have the the cowboy vampires who it's it's this comical dynamic between the two. Juxtaposed against this very serious threat. 
And Buffy, for whatever reason, doesn't kill the last Gorge brother and just lets him run away. Yeah, I don't know buddy, why, if... but it, I guess they want to bring him back. If but I don't really see him coming back at all. So I'm, I don't know what's going on there. No, buddy. If you describe every single episode in this season, we're going to be here all night. Yeah, I know. But... We're we have we're, we're still in the on. first. We're still in the first half, and we've been at this for forty minutes. Like it's. Come on, man. We'll move on. All right. For anybody anyway. who's just listening to this when I upload it later, I am just kidding. Uh, I don't mind talking about anything in this show. There are certain episodes that I'd rather talk about more than others. Of course. Right, so that brings but... us to episode 13, which is the end of the f- first half that we're discussing. Not an even half, but it's it's as an even a break as I could get. Now, it's just an interesting oddity to just see episodes written like this where it doesn't seem a lot of fourth of us. Yeah, well, well, that's this season's biggest problem, and we most by by season three they fixed. I would say all of that. Yeah, I mean this is better than season one, certainly. Like yeah. a lot of the filler is better than season one, I would say. So season yeah. season two, episode thirteen, uh, is the beginning of the end in a way. Yep. Uh, and also the end of a beginning. I don't know if that makes sense, but it sounded nice in my head. Uh, <laughs> uh so this episode, okay. So the thing is that most of this episode is just set up for the twist at the end. Yeah. Uh, but basically, Spike and Drusilla are trying to assemble the judge, played by that guy who played the vampire in the first episode, the pilot, if any of you remember him. And it's really obvious because like, his mouth is very distinct. <laughs> so is his voice. Um, interesting interesting uh, side antagonist. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely, he, it's difficult that we get to build him up as a threat. But basically, the judge is an old demon that burns the humanity out of you. Uh, that was could not be killed by any weapon forged, so they cut him into pieces somehow. Uh, it, it's not yeah, really it's explained, a... but it's not important. Um, and hid his body across the uh, world. We also discover that there's more to Jenny Calendar. We haven't really talked about this season because she's just kind of been there. Uh, more or less as um, Giles's love interest. Yeah, this this season is about Buffy and Angel's relationship, but it's also about Giles and Jenny's uh, relationship to an extent. Yeah. Um, but you find out that she is not who she seems she is. She is a gypsy, the whitest gypsy I've ever seen. But still, it's whatever. I'm just kidding. Please don't attack me in the comments below. I think she's great. Uh and then she starts acting really suspicious. And that's one thing I hate about this show is they'll have they'll have like a hint of a reveal, right? Like, oh, she's a gypsy or oh, this, that. And then the character immediately starts acting shifty because you get that shot of like her standing in the hallway. I'm like, okay, we, I mean, come on. Like, it's like you, you got that far shot, that lingering look. It's like that. And then the low lighting, downward glance, <laughs> definitely it, it telegraphs the, um, this character's up to no good kind of thing. But, but you know, the thing is, language. she's really not that up to no good. Like, when you find yeah. out what she... But anyway, that I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, so Spike and Drusilla get the judge and put him together because the plot demands it. Um, Spike and Buff, or Buffy and Angel are ambushed because they don't know that the judge is awake. They hide and they kiss and then they have sex. Then Angel wakes up, screams Buffy in agony, 
and it says to be continued. And I bet you everybody watching this live in the nineties slammed the remote down and be like, What? <laughs> so what did yes. you think of episode thirteen? Episode thirteen in some ways is in some ways, Cat had like similar impact levels of episode seven back in season one, where basically we have the relationship between Angel and Buffy develop a bit, gets romantic, then dramatic, like tragic twist. Um, it kind of has that structure to it in some ways. Um, definitely how it leads into uh, episode 14, where, well, we'll talk about that later. But um, honestly, Aside from the mouth, if you asked me to like identify the actor for the judge, I probably would not have guessed that it was the master. They managed they managed to make him distinctive enough in character where you wouldn't complain too much about like similarities in performance, which is great because the master is very different from the judge. The judge is also an interesting character. No, I, it wasn't. I'm not saying he was a master. Right. He's the big vampire in the pilot that she tricks. Oh. Yeah, you're right. That's what I meant to say. Sorry, not the master. I was like, what the know. hell are you talking about? And just for the record, I'm not complaining. I just think it's really funny. He's good in both roles. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, honestly, other than that, um, I guess I wish that in episode 14 we weren't going to literally go back to the sex scene and then like awkwardly play like close-up shots of it when it's ill-timed, but that's more of a season... That's more of an episode 14 complaint. Honestly, say, thank goodness they don't try to show nudity on a public network of what our characters are supposed to be playing teenagers. So that that would have been awkward, even more so than it already was. Um, but, you know. So the other thing I want to mention about this episode is the parallel between Buffy and Drusilla. Um, and again, this comes some of this comes from Passion and the Nerd. Some of this I noticed, especially when we were watching these episodes. Because these were 13 and 14, I insisted on watching with him. Because I love just showing these two episodes to people who are slightly invested in the show to see what they think of this. Because I think these are the game-changing episodes of this show. Oh, Um, yeah, absolutely. But anyway, if you notice in her dreams, Buffy, to set this up, Buffy is having dreams that Angel's going to die. Only later do we learn that it's metaphorical. Dying. He's not really going to die, but who he is is going to die. Yes. But there's a thing with Drusilla, and she's talking about like having a birthday party, and she's wearing a dress. But if you all notice, it's Buffy's birthday. She's also wearing the same dress. Buffy and Drusilla are in a way the same, just at different points of their life. Again, I'm paraphrasing. Go watch Passion of the Nerds video after you watch this video, because he goes in-depth episode by episode in a way that neither one of us has time or patience to do. No, we, we definitely get an interesting foil, because Buffy is someone who, when she's sleeping, has dreams, whereas Drusilla seems to be living through, like, a walking dream of yeah. sorts, where, like, nothing is real to her, but everything is real at the same time. And, of course, Buffy is, throughout quite a few of these episodes trying to piece together, okay, what does the dream mean for the reality that I see when I wake? Yeah. And how does that inform my actions? What can I do to prevent certain things from happening? That sort of thing. Whereas Drusilla kind of just takes things as they are. It's it's definitely a very interesting dynamic that the two have, especially since they're the commonality of Angel slash Angelus in their lives. All right, so 
episode 14, The Game Changer. Uh, This is called Innocence, and in many ways, it is the end of innocence. Uh, This is, I think, if if you were invested in the show, this is a very heartbreaking episode. Um, The obvious metaphor here is if we accept that this show is a metaphor for growing up and facing the the challenges of becoming an adult, this is a metaphor for when you sleep with a guy and he changes after you sleep with him. Angel, it picks up with Angel in the street. Uh, Some lady comes out of nowhere, asks him if he's okay. He attacks her. And you get this really cool shot because the lady is smoking. He drinks her blood, even though there's no blood on his chin or whatever, but it's fine. It's network TV. And then he blows smoke out of his mouth from her neck. It's awesome. Uh, Then you find out that Angel's humanity is gone. Uh, Angel is now Angelus, who has been built up to be the most sadistic creature uh, that the master, the bad guy from season one, has ever known. Spoilers for season two. The master was right. Yes, absolutely. And the actor for Angel delivers, especially since, uh, I don't know if he was struggling with trying to like be Angel in season one, but all that struggle is gone and he manages, you know, flip the coin when he, I mean, flip the switch when he needs to. See, I don't think it's the actor in season one, because I think he's great in episode seven, Angel. It's that the writers have nothing to do with him, so he just pops up, says, bad thing happening, bye, and then leaves. Yeah. That's Angel in season one. But anyway. Yeah. This was uh, the most viewed episode um, during this season. Cliffhangers, man, they get you every time. Exactly. Um, let's see. Continuing on with the Angel thing. I believe the next thing that we see from him uh, after he talks to Spike and Drusilla, because, you know, he's like, oh, I'm back. I'm going to get rid of the Slayer. You guys prepare for your world destruction plot, etc. Is one of the most, like, heartbreaking scenes in this season. Up he goes to Angels, and it's Angel, but it's Angelus. And he's like, oh, you got to do better, kiddo. Etc. Then that's where they lay the metaphor on maybe a little too thickly, but I don't care because that scene is so good. Uh, and basically, we, yeah, and we have to mention Spike's in a wheelchair right now because of yes, the previous uh, battle wound and whatnot. <laughs> so seeing now where Alpha the Vampire or Spike then becomes almost beta to the new Alpha Angelus is definitely an interesting dynamic that definitely leads into further episodes where this embitterment is slowly and slowly building up where eventually we get to what happens in the finale, which we will talk about later. Yes. Um, where was I? Sorry, I, I interrupted you. Poor no, you're fine. Uh, oh, but uh, yeah, basically the extent of it is Angel destroys Buffy without even laying a hand on her. Yeah. Uh, then he goes to the school, lures Willow in, and then Buffy shows up. Uh, Jenny is also there and somehow knows that Angel has turned, uh, which they reveal later. And Buffy has to come to terms with her boyfriend is gone. And she has to deal with one of the worst like mass murderers in history. Essentially, yeah. It's <laughs> it's definitely very sad, but she has to. Uh... That stare that she has in the school when he throws her, like he th- after he forcibly kisses her and then throws her down, she's got this like mile wide stare of somebody who's just like checked out of the moment, and it's perfect. Yeah, it's 
We say heartbroken for fans, but we mean that in a very good way. It shows that the writing is developing and creating stakes and conflicts that we care about. We don't mean so much that the quality is dipped. That's not what we mean at all. Just to be clear. no. In fact, I would argue the quality has risen by tenfold. I would say so. Too. Uh, I think this is the best episode to date. Yeah, and also they steal a rocket launcher. So they steal, and so this is might be the most clever thing in this season. But the way they get around that the judge cannot be destroyed by any weapon forged, that was then. Now we have weapons of mass destruction. Xander uses his military knowledge that he's magically got from turning into military man in episode 6, which we mentioned, to steal a rocket launcher, and Buffy blows him up. And the, 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 the episode ends with Angel and Buffy fighting. Buffy kicks him in the nuts and leaves. Some of my favorite Xander stuff is in this episode, because we get... We get stuff where, oh yeah, Xander is useful, finally. He's not just comedic relief. Yeah. Which is great. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, that's episode 14. It is it is the reason to get invested in the show. It is, I love season one's highlight episodes, but season two is where it starts. And they will carry this momentum all the way through. At least through season three. Season four is a hit and miss season. Yeah, definitely for the second half, we definitely get a lot more plot episodes than we do get filler episodes, thankfully. Um, it definitely, I think it allows for better pacing, I would say. Um, See, the second half is definitely more paced. But, that said, the next episode, I like it, but it is a filler episode. It is one of the biggest issues that I have with this back half. You have an amazing episode, like episode 14, and then we instantly have to like halt the momentum. And do episode 15, which is Oz and the Werewolf episode. But we do, I think we do get my favorite filler of the second half of the season. I think Phases is actually a really cool episode. It's definitely, I mean, definitely it's very not like funny it's one. got much competition. That is true, unfortunately. Talk about Although, eight, 20, you could point. make an argument that 19 is filler. Because mm. it doesn't really have much to do with the Angel subplot till the end. And if that's filler, that's the best filler. I don't care. Um, sure. It's it kind of struts the line because it's heavily character um it's heavy character stuff that's mm-hmm. going on. And Angelus is narrating quite a bit of it throughout it. Um sorry, quick back to faces. Reason why I like it, Cordelia and Xander's relationship get deepens and actually becomes public because they want it to be secret because there's this do we want to make it secret? Do we not want to this weird relationship thing? And, um, you know, we also get a callback from another character in season one. Actually, I'm glad you said that. That's not phases. No. Phases. Oh, yeah, you're right. oh, yeah, you're right. Not, it's not. Sorry. I phases with the werewolf head. episode. Yeah, which I, I think forgot. Is, is the definition of it's okay. Other than we get the big twist, you know, that Seth, Seth Green is not a werewolf. Yeah. It, it's a shame because it's a very forgettable one for me, unfortunately, for some reason. But I like Oz as a character. He's probably my one of my favorite new inclusions to the show. Yeah. And he gets a very lukewarm kind of filler episode that's dedicated to him. I think we can do better for Seth Green's character, personally. We can. This episode is just exists because we want to make him a werewolf. Uh, but on to 16, which is the episode that Milton was thinking of, which I agree is a fantastic episode... And if episode 19 doesn't count for filler, this is my favorite episode of just pure filler. 
Uh, but basically, Xander uh, breaks is broken up with on Halloween or Halloween Valentine's Day. Yeah. So he convinces Amy to cast a spell, a love spell, so he can break Cordelia's heart anyway. Because teenage boys are petty and assholes. Uh, but it backfires, and everybody, every woman in town except for uh, Cordelia is now attracted to him. Yeah. And then we and get a great Cordelia. Ensues. Yeah, we get a great Cordelia moment at the end where she actually stands up for herself and actually tries to be a mature and, you know, not be so dependent on the whole, you know, mob factor. And, yeah. You know, looking for a sycophants and whatnot for, you know, to uphold her self image. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as much as this is a Xander episode, which kind of is like critiquing his attitude of I want what I want, but then when I get it, I want what I can't have uh, and just kind of be an asshole to some people. Uh, it's also just character progression for Cordelia. Yeah. It, this was the turning point where I started to like Cordelia a lot more than Xander, especially where later episodes kind of go into, unfortunately. Uh, but we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, I don't really have any much else to say about it. It's just a nice, simple episode. Um, yeah, and then we get to, and we're only covering, I think, the episodes that we really liked because we've skipped some. Like we skipped yep. two, four, five, whatever. Yep. But anyway, uh, next is episode seventeen, which is the next plot episode. Uh, which, again, is a heartbreaking episode if you like Ginny Calendar. But basically, it is about Ginny. Uh, you find out... I think it's this episode where you find out that she was a gypsy. She is a gypsy who is a part... Well, you knew she was a gypsy already, but I yeah. mean... You find out that she is from the tribe that cursed Angel originally. And she is trying... No, you already knew that because yeah. this episode is about her redeeming... Trying to get redemption because she hid this from Buffy. Yeah, we don't really get any reveals, but we get to the point where the character has, you know, experiences consequences of sorts with her betrayal of the group. So the fact that she's working so hard to bring it back and succeed so closely, only to come up short, unfortunately, because she can't fight Angelus. Can I can and I just gripe about something for a second? Yeah, go ahead. So so these gypsies cursed Angel, or cursed Angelus, the most dangerous being. Or one of the most dangerous beings on the in the world, right? Why wouldn't you warn Angel that he could lose his soul if he gets happy? Well, I guess. Do you want to tell Angel? Well, it's tough because I can definitely see that. On the other hand, one, if you want to put this curse on Angel so that he just experiences misery because the tribe is very embittered towards him, I guess you could. Tell him not to seek out happiness, and then he would say, "Well, screw you! I'm going to try anyway," because he was he was miserable enough on his own for hundreds of years. So it's going to work for a do, while. All you would have to do is just tell him, "Look, if you experience even a moment of pure happiness, you will lose your soul and return to your monster monstrous ways." Sure, and it none of this would have happened. Yeah, it definitely seems odd that they didn't at least have, like, a contingency present, like, even more than just, you know, calendar, calendar's presence, because no one else really seems to do anything. Yeah, yeah for sure. I just, I, 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 
noticed that the last couple times I'm watching this, I was like, that's weird. But I mean, we're trying to do a character focused thing, so I guess we kind of have to be a little bit forgiving. Um, yeah, I mean, but, it's it's yeah. not a big deal because I love what they do with this season. It just it's one of those like kind of jokingly drives me nuts things. Um, but yeah, yeah, the big thing in this episode, of course, is we get our first casualty. Yeah, and Giles' reaction, especially, you know. Yeah. Uh Jenny Callender is killed by Angel Angelus because he doesn't obviously he doesn't want his soul back. Um nope. and left on Giles' bed with a, with a rose. And Angelus even like draws him a picture, makes him think that Jenny's up there waiting for him, that they're gonna reunite the relationship. It's all very cruel and sadistic. Yeah. And just makes Angelus an interesting villain. He's a very psychological type of villain. It's one of the villains that I like. Villain types I like a lot more. It's good that we get some of the more direct ones like Spike, but it's good that when we get a mix of villains that take different approaches to try to, you know, attack Buffy and, and not just be the straight. I'm I'm gonna attack you and try to kill you. Uh you know. Yeah. Um but yeah, and then because yeah, I mean that that's really it's just it's not like the world's best episode, but it is a very important episode because uh, it shows, I think, the depths of of Angel's uh, or Angelus's sadism uh, and cruelty. Uh, remind me, what is episode eighteen? Eighteen is what I would like to describe as a fever dream. There, done. We can move past it now. Right. Uh, well, I guess we don't. I guess to describe it a little bit more, essentially, Just Buffy gets sick and gets oh, possessed. Yeah, skip. I have nothing to say about this. Yeah, I, I hate this episode. It's right up there with twenty. Is it just? It's a momentum ruiner. Like it's so anyway, like a nightmare on Elm Street kind of thing or something. Is that so the anyway, idea? I don't know. Anyway, whatever. On episode nineteen, which is also is another wonderful episode. This one is called. Uh, what is this one called? This one is called. I have only i I only have eyes, only for, eyes you, for you, which has a lot of the Angelus narration. No, that's passions. The passions, Isn't yeah, it? yeah, because oh, yeah, passion sure. is forget what I'm saying. I'm having a lot of lapses in my memory for some reason. Time to put you know. in the home, yeah. but anyway, uh, this episode is about a, a poltergeist uh, of this kid from the 50s who shot his teacher and then killed himself. Uh, he's forcing people to relive that moment because he's trying to get forgiveness. Yeah. Meanwhile, Buffy is struggling to forgive herself for what she did to Angel. Uh, she blames him for basically destroying the good man that Angel was and unleashing this monster. Uh, you get some hijinks where, like, the Scooby gang is uh, trying to exercise the ghost because Giles is convinced it's Ginny because he is in denial that she's gone for good. Um, and then you get what everybody loves about this episode, at least I assume, is Angel and Buffy are possessed by the ghosts, but it's swapped so that Buffy is the boy and Angel is the girl. And I know it might be a bit spot on the nose for some people, but I don't care. I love it. Uh, it is it, a, it is another, in a way, heartbreaking episode because I know that it's not Buffy talking, but it might as well be Buffy talking. Sure. Um. Um, yeah, and for once we get a psychological attack on Angelus, 
which I imagine would be very hard to pull off, but it it works. It de- it definitely sets them off balance, which I think is a very cool uh, thing to do. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Angel being a vampire is what allows them to break the cycle because when Buffy shoots him, it obviously it doesn't kill him because he's a vampire. Right. Uh, and it's just it's a nice ending for them and a, a resolution for Buffy that she has learned to forgive herself for what happened that night because it wasn't her fault. And then, then we completely kill the momentum with episode 20. Moving on. Swim team members become creatures of the Black Lagoon. Moving yeah. on. We get into the two-part finale. Uh, I, th- I think this one is called Becoming. Yes, Becoming part one and two. Part one is fine. It's mostly just building up to the events of part two. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Kendra comes back because Dark Forces are, are building up in Sunnydale again. Angel finds the statue. Uh, what's the demon's name? The demon's name is Acosta? something like that. Uh, let me check. Um, Akathla. Akathla. Uh, but who will basically once awakened swallow the world into a hell dimension? Yep. And any mortal being, i.e., anything not a vampire or a demon or whatever, will suffer for eternity. Uh, but uh, can, part when we get flashbacks with, uh, you know, this also Angel's gives like, the flashbacks to to Angel, showing how he became a vampire, what he was like, um, yep, in Galway, Ireland. Yes, in Ireland we got drunk, and David Boreanaz this terrible Irish accent, uh, which is fine. It works for the show. I don't need. I, I'm sorry. I don't care if the Irish accent is accurate. I can't tell. I've never heard a real Irish accent. Whatever. But anyway, uh, I think I think in this half because they do the flashbacks throughout the whole se- show, the whole episode, both one and two. But I believe this one is just about his drinking days and his vampire days. It maybe build leads off with where he got cursed. Well, I mean, we we get five flashbacks. We start in Galway, Ireland, where he gets con- you know converted. Then we go to London, where where basically we get the Drusilla scene, uh, where her character is introduced right, to right, uh, right. Angelus. Then we get to the point where the gypsies curse Angelus and becomes Angel. Then the remaining two is like in Manhattan, and then finally in Los Angeles, where he meets Buffy you know, before she becomes the Slayer. Well, she see um, he sees Buffy. Buffy does not see him. You know what I meant. I think it might be easier to just talk about these two episodes as one, because they are basically two halves of a whole. Uh, but basically, Angel sends a force after uh, Giles, because he needs Giles to awaken the statue. He distracts Buffy, and has one of my favorite jokes, where he, where he, when he reveals his plan, he's like, you fall for it every time. Because what we forgot to mention is in episode one, uh, when she was having her PTSD episode, she ran off to try to find the bad guys without waiting, and then they realized her friends were the bait, were the real target, and so it brings that kind of full circle. Uh, she gets there to find Kendra dead, uh, who has been killed by Drusilla using her, you know, eye powers. Yeah, it's cool that we get to see that, especially in a very gut wrenching way, in which we calendar makes an appearance. So. Yeah, uh, and it leaves off with somehow Sunnydale PD has showed up uh, and arrest Buffy for murder. I guess. 
Well, they tried to. Yeah. Like, no, no, I haven't gotten to part two yet. I know we're discussing this as one, but I'm doing it in order. Well, um, yeah. and the episode ends with her with the cop saying Freeze, you're under arrest. See, episode the second half picks up. Buffy escapes because she has better things to do than to get arrested. We finally get the moment that fan, I think most fans were waiting for. Buffy on the run is confronted by Spike, who, by the way, this whole season has been like emasculated by Angel, Pretty made much. to be like a dog, yeah. uh, and finally he's just had enough. He teams up with Buffy, uh, and finally the scene that Milk was waiting for, the big reveal, Buffy's mom finds out that she's a vampire slayer. And thank goodness it, ha- it happens because we've been waiting for for a while for that, you know, thing to come to roost. Uh, um, but what yeah. I love about that scene is they do the X Men thing. Have you tried not being a Slayer? Uh, like, have you tried not being a mutant? Yeah, Joss Whedon should have done the X Men movies, not the Avengers. That probably would have been a better fit. Well. He did some writing for the X-Men movie. He did. Uh, the first one. A little bit of it. But, I mean, the only thing that everybody credits him for is the terrible... You know what happens but to a toad that gets struck by lightning? It's, a, it's one of those cringy, like, we-in-one-liners, but, you know, we come to love it at the same time. Well, the problem is that it's a cringy we-in-one-liner that, like, the payup for payoff for has been cut, so it makes no sense. But anyway, on to what we're actually reviewing. Yeah. Um, Buffy's mom understandably does not know how to handle this. Uh, this show very much relies on the the town is in denial, uh, including Buffy's mom. They fight. Buffy's mom says, if you leave this house, don't think about coming back. Um, which I know most people probably hate her for. I am okay with it because... It very much is played like something said in the heat of the moment. They've just been fighting, and you can tell the minute Buffy leaves, she regrets it. But she commits to it. She doesn't come back home. Yeah. And we also we also have Principal Quark saying that she's now uh, pretty expelled. much expelled uh, from the school. This is very much stripping stripping back the layers. Uh, Every layer that of Buffy's character that we built up over this season. Yep. Uh, so, and then, of course, she has to go fight Angel. They have a really nicely choreographed sword fight. Um, Willow is, meanwhile, is working on the spell. Sends Xander to warn Buffy before the big fight. And this is where a lot of people lose Xander. And you either forgive him for it or you don't. I yeah. can forgive him to an extent because they... It's not like it was out of the blue. They've built up that he has issues with Angel. Uh, but he does not tell Buffy about the soul thing. Well, it's... it's the, the main issue that I have with it is because it's Willow that specifically tells Xander to do this, especially in her time of weakness because she was attacked. Yeah, And Xander decides to essentially betray Willow's trust, which is a huge departure from his character because they're, they're usually very trusting of one another and Xander goes his own way. It's understandable why a lot of fans have take issue with Xander's here's, character after this and respect from tumbles, even below Cordelia's character, which is very weird, but you know, here's my issue with it. We don't have a conversation about it. Uh, uh and this yeah. is a, actually, okay. 
I, I'm trying to give you as a blind to watch through as I can, but I, I need to get this off my chest because it's the one thing I hate with this fucking show. We don't have a conversation with it about it until season seven. And it's a one line of dialogue and then they just move on. It drives me nuts. Oh, that, that sucks. Yeah. Um, well, we never said this was a perfect show. Just a, just a great really show. And yeah. season seven is a mess overall. Uh, that's going to be that season seven of that and angel season four are going to be fucking rough to get through. But anyway, onto the current, the now and here, yep. um, then you have the big sword fight with angel. It's really good. They spell out the message, the message of the episode, no friends, no family, no yada, yada, yada. What's left me. The fight resumes. And then Willow is successful in restoring Angel's soul. But it's too late. Yeah, just in time for... The whole thing, of course, is pulling the sword out of the statue in order to basically summon him. And, of course, you know, using a different sword, essentially, to expel the threat. You know, put put his soul back into hell. It's uh, definitely a very tragic situation where Buffy essentially has to recognize that her wife that the love of her life is back but she has to send him into a terrible place because yeah. otherwise and this scene could have easily fallen apart uh but this i think is sarah michelle geller's best performance in this season uh you could see it in her face the moment she realizes what she has to do and just the dialogue with her and angel you know close your eyes she kisses him and then stabs him. And then she has this moment, and this is my favorite, this is what seals it for me, is one of my, just my favorite moments. After he's gone, trapped in that hell dimension, uh, she's got this, like, stoic look on her face, and then it cracks. And then, of course, the season ends with her... Getting on a bus to nowhere. She's had, her, she's had enough. She just wants out. Which you it, can blame me, because it's easy to forget, but she's 17. Yeah, no, it, it's understandable. Um, she She's going into a trauma situation again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say it definitely sticks the landing at the end. Of, a, a lot of stuff could definitely have gone wrong. Um, honestly, I want to praise the fight choreography again. Sometimes you can really mess up, you know, sword fights, but it actually, it's surprisingly good considering it's network television. Yeah. I mean, we just watched Blade recently. I like the fight choreography in this one more than I like the one in Blade, actually, if I'm going to be honest. Well, and overall, this is better than any of those Blade movies. Well. But they're very different things. This is a drama that's an action flick. I, I have more questions about Principal Quark's character in this show. Like, where where is he leading to? Because this is a very interesting choice because I always thought that he was just always going to threaten Buffy, but never actually deliver on that. But he does deliver, which is interesting. And that's the other thing that uh, we, I guess, we should talk about briefly. Most people know this already, uh, but there is a scene where, after, right after he expels Buffy, that he calls the mayor and tells her that it is done. Yep. It tells him that is set up for season three. Uh, so it, it evidence, and we've also kind of referenced. He knows about everything supernatural, but he's working on the other side. Yeah. Or at least the more mundane side or something like that. That's like no, someone aware of. That phone call from the mayor, since he's working for the bad side. Yeah. 
Gotcha. Because uh, the 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 way that plays is the mayor wanted her expelled, and you wouldn't do that unless you were a bad guy, right? Uh, so yeah, I mean that's that's Buffy season two. It's it's a marching step towards greatness. It hits greatness occasionally, uh, but like a human being, it also stumbles in places. Yeah, but uh, I'm, I I can't wait for season three though. This is it's a great step towards that. God, as you've been saying, if we have enough time, I might have to watch at least the premiere with you. Um, yeah, we can do that. But anyway, um, overall, I'm going to give this a four out of five. Uh, that might be overrating it a little bit. I will admit this is a personal preference thing. Uh, but one of my favorite things in the show is Buffy and Angel's relationship. And it, that this season tackles all of that wonderfully, I think. Uh, and I think the story episodes are instant, like really rewatchable. Some of the filler isn't, uh, but the actual like meat of the season is incredible. You know what? I'm going to give it a four out of five as well. But you know what? It's like whose line? The points don't matter. The point is the season matters. And yeah, I would I would definitely rewatch some of these episodes again. I I would not watch episode twenty again. That is that is a waste of everyone's time. It's Although, it's weird to me that they decided to air that one far more over. I only have eyes for you, which is like the least viewed one after. Um. You know, after in the second half, you know what's funny about 20, episode twenty though? I'm pretty sure that has a very young Channing Tatum in it, or maybe not Channing I'm gonna, Tatum. I'm gonna look that up. Actually, do you mean um for which for which actor? What do you mean, what actor? Uh, I mean, what character? I mean, oh, I don't. He's one of the sw- swim team guys. It might not be Channing Tatum. It might be Wentworth Miller. I sometimes get those two mixed up. Yeah, it's Wentworth Miller as uh, okay. Gage Petronzi. Yeah, my bad. It, yeah, it's Wentworth Miller. For some reason, I always get those two mixed up in my head, even if they look nothing alike. It's whatever. But anyway, uh, in the tradition of the first video, again, since this is Milton's first watch through, any predictions for season three other than what little specs you may know? All right, so I'll I'll try to. Be, so I definitely have much more of a basis to make predictions now that I think the show has more of a voice. Um, I'll quickly tackle President at President Quark. <laughs> President President Quark uh, campaign for the next election. Um, but Quark will. Um, I'm just going to call him Principal Quark for now because I know he has a real name, but I really don't care because I just see him as that from Deep Space Nine. Uh, we'll get more development with from him and what he does for the villain side. Just quickly with that, we do have to bring Buffy back. After she gets on that bus, but I think we, I, I think the premiere will tackle that and bring her back. But we will immediately see the fruits of that when we see the episode. Uh, we get into territory where Xander confesses that he loves Willow, but while she's sleeping, so there, there's a will they, won't they kind of thing going on. So I guess, but I guess we're just going to get to the point where eventually. Xander and Cordelia are not going to be a thing at some point in season three. I'm fairly sure that's going to happen. We're not going to completely get rid of Angel. I don't see that happening. It would be nice if we got some closure on what happens on the other side. Uh, Hopefully we'll get into that again. 
of course, I think we're going to get into the point where eventually him and Buffy split up and they're probably no longer a couple either. Um, I hope we do more with Oz. I would like Willow and Oz to get together. I think they're a good pairing together. Or at the very least, I'd just like to see more of Oz because I think he's a cool character. Him and Willow are already yeah. together by the end of season two. Well, I mean more so than they already are. They're... Yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. They are fully committed by this point. You're right. I just hope that it's not threatened by... What are you talking by... about, you I just... hack? I, I guess in my head, I'm just hoping it's not threatened by whatever Xander's BS is going to be. I I don't know. Xander, for me, is definitely a character who's very troubled, and I just don't know how to feel about him. Because sometimes he, sometimes he's a good character, other times he's he's obnoxious to me. I don't really think he gels well sometimes with just his random interjections and just tries too hard to be funny. But of course, I buy him as a character. I buy him as a character. I like the actor. The actor is doing fine. I'm just wondering what we're getting into here. I think that's part of why I like Xander so much, because he's not always likable. Uh, He feels feels the most human to me at times. He is the... Well... I can't really say that any of them aren't human, except for the vampires. Just different types of humans. Uh, definitely, definitely very teenage boy. Well, that's what I mean. It's like all these characters feel like real people, but I mean, Xander feels like an act like a human. Like he's the one with the most flaws. He tries to overcome them, but he, you know he stumbles. Uh, he has more like prejudices against certain things, like Angel and. It doesn't always work, but I think it lends to him being a flawed character. And yeah. he's like, no, I'm done. I'm I'm never doing this again. <laughs> I, I think he's... He could have some improvement, I think, in some of the writing department, but hey, you know what? Season 3 is coming around. There's always room for improvement. Sure. Well, we spent about an hour and a half on this season. Yeah. Uh... Anything else you'd like to say to wrap up our Buffy season two thoughts? Um, hmm. The fight choreography with vampires definitely gets a bit more creative in this season than it did in season one. I like to praise that. There are more creative kills with, you know, improvised attacks and whatnot. That's another thing that we can say about the design with the um, action in the episodes. That's something that's worthy of praise. Um, yeah. There's another technical element that I think deserves some attention. All right. Well, thank you guys for hanging out. Uh, again, you know, probably going to say this every video, but thank you, uh, Milton, for basically indulging me in this. Uh, no problem. Uh, yeah, I really I really love showing the season to people because this is where it starts to click. Uh, yeah. We don't know when we'll do season three. Uh, my schedule is kind of morphing right now. Uh been getting up about 6, 6.30 every day. So I'm probably going to go watch like one episode of Buffy and then I'm going to crash. Yeah, we'll figure um, it out. Yeah. But keep follow us on Twitter or Instagram. The links are in the channel description below or in the video description, whatever you, the fuck you want to call it. Uh, and I will tweet when we're done with season three and when we have a planned uh, day to do this for season three. And uh, thank you guys for hanging out. We appreciate you. We'll be back tomorrow night at 11 p.m. Eastern. With the witch and hereditary. So thank you for watching. Pairing, honestly.